Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Retail, a podcast brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. For this episode of our Instacart season, we're going to step up our advertising on Instacart game, talking strategy, metrics for success, butter, and our guest's three key points when it comes to advertising on Instacart. In our last episode, we covered the advertising basics, so be sure to check that out if you haven't already. You know me by now, but my name is Emma Irwin, and I am your host for this series. I entered the e-commerce industry just over a year ago with a specific focus on what we deem to be retail responsibilities at my company, Flywheel Digital. So I'm excited to continue to learn more about the advertising or media side of the woods in this episode. My guest today also comes from Flywheel Digital. Hi, I'm Bernie Chet. I'm an associate director of omnichannel platforms here at Flywheel. Uh, so what that really means is just that I lead our Omni team. So the team that does media outside of Amazon mostly. And I had to ask her how she ended up leading our Omni team. I got really interested in anything new that was coming down the pipeline. And for us, what was new was really Instacart, Walmart, Kroger, the areas that our clients wanted to expand to that we weren't currently activating in. And so I was lucky enough to be sort of part of a lot of different teams that were looking to explore the new retailers. And by being sort of just open to learning new things and by asking questions and making sure that I was involved, I was able to sort of lead the team forward in terms of researching new retailers and figuring out how to run media on them. To really get us started, I asked Bernie if she uses Instacart. I use Instacart constantly. I am an Instacart Express member. I am their core demographic. I use it at least once a week, if not more. I am a power user of Instacart. I feel like I'm realizing that Instacart is launching new media before they tell me because I'm the one taking screenshots on my phone and sending it to our agency partner being like, hey, I'm seeing this new placement as I'm shopping for my weekly groceries. So what was... I'm sure you order more than one thing from Instacart at a time, but like, what is something that was in your last Instacart order? I always have milk and eggs and cabbage because one should always have cabbage at home. But other than that, I like to explore things that Instacart provides. So they provide a lot of different recommendations. And so something random that was in my last order was these Brazilian cheese bread puffs that I didn't realize you could get anywhere but Fogo de Chao. So uh, really excited about those. Gotcha. And then how were the Brazilian cheese puffs? Were they were they good? Did they live up to expectations? Uh, they were very good. I'm buying them again. They're definitely going on the list. And one more question before we dug in. I'm going to ask you something now, and I'm pretty sure we did this the first time we talked to you, but something now that we will circle to at the end of the episode, which is just something that has been on your digital wish list for a really long time, something that you just won't actually purchase and why, but we will come back to it at the end if that is okay with you. Yeah, of course. So we know what Instacart is and how it works, and we know the basics of advertising so far. Before we get into the nitty gritty of metrics for advertisers on Instacart, I wanted to start broader with Bernie and then narrow down on strategy. The first thing I asked Bernie was, why Instacart? Instacart is huge in the grocery space now. And as online grocery continues to, to grow and continues to be a focus, uh, Instacart has been growing with it. And so especially during COVID, we saw Instacart do a boom, but we haven't seen it sort of lose a lot of that volume or traction yet. It's not growing maybe at the same rate that it was, but it's definitely it still has a ton of volume going through it. So I would say that one of the main reasons to be on Instacart and to concentrate on Instacart is that there are sales going through it. And that like if you're concentrating on the future, we continue to see online grocery and online like e-commerce in general continue to become a larger part of the pie. So that's why Instacart is important. 
But are brands dedicating enough resources to Instacart? I would say there's definitely room to grow. Instacart in general continues to be a large player, and especially for brands that are, for example, in the frozen space or the refrigerated space where they don't have to invest really aggressively in e-commerce or typically have not historically. It means that they're a little bit behind the ball. Like those brands are likely not brands that have historically invested in like an Amazon or a Walmart, for example. But with the new sort of growing piece of the pie that is Instacart and e-commerce in terms of grocery, the brands that are so used to only really spending in brick and mortar or only really spending in like on online display and streaming TV advertising really have to look at search more closely now. A burning question of mine. I needed to know how your overall media strategy should differ for Instacart compared to Amazon or Walmart or if it even should differ at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely different and you do need to think about it differently. On Amazon, you often hear a lot about spear phishing or people going onto Amazon to buy one thing uh, or one large item. On Instacart, you really need to fill a basket. So people are spending a lot more time on site. People are open to trying new things, are open to building up that dollar value so that they can check out. And so with that, what it means is that Instacart, you actually see really positive returns for things like basket building or conquesting in ways that you wouldn't see for an Amazon or a Walmart because of the more sort of open nature of a shopper on Instacart. And how do you actually promote that basket building behavior? Yeah, there are a couple ways of doing so on Instacart. So you can actually specify keywords that you want to play on. So for example, if you're a butter company and you want to play on bread keywords, and you can also boost your default bid, which will allow you to show up in different placements on site and allow people to add to basket maybe in areas that they're not even, that they're browsing and not even searching by keyword. Okay, now we'll really get into the Advertising 201 content, but hey. In order to understand Advertising 201, you have to really understand Instacart's motivations and the motivations of manufacturers and brands who are trying to win on Instacart, and all of the prior conversation could really help a manufacturer who's newer to Instacart avoid some of those bumps in the road. We're going to break down how your tactics need to differ when it comes to the different ad units offered by Instacart, which are sponsored products and display. Not much in e-commerce can be a one-size-fits-all approach. So display is really a way that you can show your breadth of catalog as well as drive out of category and basket building because display you can use, for example, audience targeting and keyword targeting. And so you can go after the shopper rather than just the keyword. And then when it comes to sponsored products, it's like a PLA and it's very, very efficient. Basically, what you want to do is you want to support as many sponsored products as you can and look to drive visibility to those sponsored products via high bids on keyword targeting as well as high bids on default. For sponsored products, I'm curious, how do you manage? Because it's not like Amazon where you're probably going to see like a similar set of sponsored products no matter where you are in the country. But unlike on Instacart, it probably differs based on your location because it all depends on availability of the specific stores you're shopping from via Instacart. What, how does that work? Yeah. So you should be really careful when you're looking at the items that you're looking to support on Instacart. As I mentioned, you want to be supporting as many as you can, as many as your budget allows, but also looking at what that ACV or all commodity value of those items are. So how available are those items? If you have a UPC that's only available in one store in one city, it's probably not as worth supporting as a UPC that's across a retailer nationally. I see. Okay. For display, is that similar to kind of Amazon's display? Is it different? 
it's a little bit different. So the way that display works, you can do keyword targeting or you can do audience targeting and the display runs fully on site, unlike what you might hear about Amazon display from other from Amazon display in the space you often hear about is sort of off-site display or on-site like sponsored display. On Instacart, it's always the banner and it's always on site for now. So far, we've covered your strategy on Instacart when it comes to advertising. And what do you do next after you've developed a strategy? Well, you see if it worked. And how do you do that? Well, you look at KPIs. And a side note to Danny from our Amazon season, I did not call them key KPIs. You're welcome. But there are a lot of KPIs to look at, so let's have Bernie tell us which ones are the most important. Well, on Instacart in general, our KPIs are always going to be sales and share. So because Instacart is has all of this data at their fingertips, what they can provide back to an advertiser is what were your total sales, your total GMV on Instacart, and then what was the share of the total pie on Instacart that you took up? So for example, if in the butter analogy, if you're a company that sells butter, you would get your total sales on Instacart and then the number, the percent share of butter that was sold on Instacart. And I think that those two metrics are really the most important to look at. When we're talking about media specifically, again, we like to talk about ROAS as a floor. And so ROAS is really a guardrail for us in terms of how low can we go to push the ROAS so that we can look to drive additional sales and share. So rather than a reach point for us. We look at ROAS as a guardrail and then look at sales and share as our real KPIs. I see a common theme in this podcast is that ROAS can't be your like North Star metric. You can't have everything depend on ROAS. So I'm going to throw that kind of idea to you and just ask why. Yeah, for sure. I think that we've probably gone through this a bunch of times, but it's very similar to on Amazon or on Walmart, it's the same idea on Instacart, where your return might be much lower on a term like, again, with the butter example, your return is going to be much lower on a term like bread or on a competitive term or on a term butter even than on the term, for example, Kerrygold butter or Land of Lakes butter, if you're Kerrygold or Land of Lakes. And so incremental sale is going to have a lower return, but we want to make sure that we're driving those incremental sales rather than just those branded sales. Jumping in here to remind you of what an incremental sale is. Let's pan back to Kate from our Amazon Media episode. Incrementality. So that, I think, is, is a word that, it, that is, it was made up by marketers. Anytime I type it in an email, Google and Microsoft tell me it's not a word, but it, it is one we use all the time. And really what that refers to is just, did the media drive a sale that wouldn't have happened without the media? If you've listened to our other seasons of Mastering Retail, you know how important incrementality is. Back to Bernie. Getting that incremental sale, getting that sale that potentially is actually increasing the size of the whole pie of butter on on Instacart. That's a lot of food terms in one sentence. And for the sake of bringing an example to real life, say Kerrygold butter, which is fantastic butter, by the way. I have no like no motivation to say that other than it tastes very good. Carry gold, if you're out there, I will look to represent you. The Irish butter, it's just something special. But say they come to you and they just want to perform better on Instacart. What direction would you go in? 
So I want to own the butter space. So for people who are searching for butter, I want to make sure that we're showing up and owning all of the terms around butter, salted butter, unsalted butter, etc. If there are additional funds to be had, I would look to expand the keywords that I'm playing in, like I mentioned, potentially on bread, potentially on some baking terms, and then also look to increase the default bids. So showing up in areas on site like Buy It Again or sponsored recommended items or even allow like in a browse situation. So people who are just clicking around the site trying to figure out what they want to purchase and making sure that I'm showing up as butter wherever I can because that's something that's a pretty easy add to cart. We have one last thing to cover before we get into Bernie's three key suggestions for winning on Instacart. And this has to do with the journey that advertisers have gone on with Instacart in terms of gaining more insights into what is going on on the platform. I started with a note to discuss ICIP, which I learned was actually pronounced ICIP, but Bernie explained this to me before I could even figure out what ICIP stood for. So way back in the day when it was first launched, it was the Instacart customer intelligence platform. And it was sort of the overarching reporting that they were going to provide to advertisers. Historically, it was a bunch of PDFs that they would send through at the cadence that was determined by your tier. And it was helpful, but not as actionable and not as dynamic as we wanted it to be. And they recognized that. And more recently, they've rolled it out. They've rolled out an insights platform that has sort of replaced ISIP. And you can find it within the advertising UI. We love it. We're really, really excited about it. It's about being able to track your sales and share dynamically in real time. It's about being able to determine sort of what your business on Instacart looks like at the tip of your fingers rather than having to wait for those reports to come through. And would you say that all of this information that you now have leads to kind of an increase in sales and just better performance overall having that insight? Yeah, absolutely. I think that having those insights allow advertisers to have a little bit more faith in advertising on Instacart or being involved in Instacart because having that transparency and having that data shows them that advertising works and that will always lead to increased funding for it. And so I think that as Instacart continues to drive transparency and data and provide those to their advertisers, the more and more that we'll see an interest in Instacart. Gotcha. And then why do you think it took a while for that kind of information to be given to the advertisers used a lot. Hello, utilizing Instacart. So Instacart, I can remember not that long ago, I think it was basically three years ago, they didn't even have an Instacart platform. The way that we were advertising on Instacart or the Instacart advertising platform, the way that we have historically advertised on Instacart when I first, first started advertising was with an Excel sheet that I would fill out, send to my rep, and then they would put it into place for the next week. And so my data was always two weeks delayed and I was making changes based off of data that was incomplete. And so they've really moved incredibly quickly in terms of building a platform, but there's always those little things that sort of don't get automated as quickly or don't get put into the platform as quickly. And so I think that they they moved as quickly as they could and they were able to produce a great product. And ISIP just became, was sort of the next step in terms of moving into the platform in terms of getting that insights portal versus those PDF sheets. That sounds painful, very painful, especially the Excel sheet and like everything being tied to like one Excel sheet. Oh, yeah, that was that was the history of Instacart advertising. It was the Excel sheet. And then we ended up getting a portal with only default bid and first price auction. And then I remember it moving into keyword and second price auction. And now that like just seeing the progress that they've done, even in just the three years that I've been working with Instacart advertising has been immense. That's a cool progression to like be able to look back on and see how far it's come in not a long time. Yes, it's been very quick. We have made it to the moment you've been waiting for. The holy grail of an episode of Mastering Metail. The three tips that Bernie has for manufacturers looking to win on Instacart. Let's hear tip number one. 
I think that number one on Instacart, like don't sleep on Instacart. I know that, you know, a lot of companies, it's new. Like I mentioned, like you might not think about advertising on it yet. Like don't sleep on it. It definitely, advertising on Instacart definitely works. We significantly see sales and share increase when we're live with sponsored products than when we're not. Like it's one of those placements. Like when Amazon first launched their sponsored product placement, like this advertising works. It's something that I can absolutely say about Instacart is that this advertising works. So don't forget to to just invest and be there and try and uh, own the space where you can. Okay. Follow-up question on number one. Are a lot of brands and manufacturers sleeping on Instacart? I would say that not, I wouldn't say a lot. I would say that when it first launched, we got sort of a huge influx of people who were starting to manage and invest on Instacart. But I definitely think that we're still seeing people who are, you know, just starting now and we're we're hitting we're hitting the time when when we look at an advertiser that's not on Instacart but is a grocery client we're like oh no you need to be on Instacart versus 2 years ago people didn't really know what Instacart was there wasn't a ton of investment going on it but now when we see someone who's not on it like we identify that as a miss on to tip number 2 if you can't invest in the full way that you need to, make sure that you're prior- prioritizing your investment. So we're still seeing search drive a lot of volume. We're, we want to make sure that you're investing against your strongest items. So if you can't fully invest and there aren't the dollars to give to Instacart that you need them to be, it's just being very particular about where you're placing and what you're placing there. You say you have to prioritize if you can't necessarily fully invest. Would you say that search... Or wouldn't search kind of be less important because people know the shelves and maybe have more of an idea of what they're going to Instacart for compared to Amazon? So we still see search as incredibly important. People are still using that keyword search in terms of like, oh, I need, I know I need to get, you know, butter today. I know I need to get bread today. And so we are still seeing search be a large part of what delivers on Instacart, especially if it's someone who you're looking to get like new into the basket. So people who aren't shopping out of the buy it again, or potentially the new Instacart shopper. The great thing about that is that those people are often coming to Instacart and using that search function because they know what they want to fill that basket. And if you're showing up and you get into that basket early, the lifetime value there can be really high on Instacart because they'll just shop out of that buy it again section. Uh, So we do want to be present in search more than anything because the chances of that being a new purchaser or someone who hasn't purchased your item before is higher. On Instacart, You know how with Amazon and now even Walmart, we say that people, those top few placements are the most important. Not many people scroll all the way down and even basically nobody goes to page two. Does that also apply for Instacart? Yes, but to a sort of a lesser extent, it definitely still applies. We still see that the highest conversions and the highest volume comes out of those top two rows, but it's to a slightly lesser extent, I would say. And let's hear tip number three. And I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, is to not think about it exactly the same way that you think about an Amazon or a Walmart. Uh, there is a lot of opportunity here, especially there. I think that I have never had an advertiser yet where I'm like, oh, no, we have enough money for Instacart now. Like it's it's too much money for Instacart. I've never I've never had to say that because there's just so much opportunity on an Instacart to continue to invest, to continue to play and like look at areas that are potentially not your typical keywords or not the typical placement you would be in just because we see so much success on the platform of because people are out there building a basket. What is the best way to learn about Instacart and figure out what you're doing? So personally, I would say come to Flywheel. We'll teach you all about it. But other than that, <laughs> I would say the way that I really learned about Instacart and getting in there was actually using it. So I am like, as I said, a hyper Instacart user. And I think that by using it and paying attention to what was on site, paying attention to to what advertising was available on Instacart really helped me 
learn a lot about Instacart and learn about what it could do and where the advertising would place. So I think that those are those would be my two recommendations for people who are trying to learn or get, get their toe in the door with Instacart is to first use it and then also, you know, come to us and we'll tell you about it. Of course, of course. As a recap, Bernie's three tips are don't sleep on Instacart, prioritize your investments, and don't think about Instacart the same way you would Amazon or Walmart. As we near the end of this episode, I had two more business questions for Bernie. The first was, if she had a say in the next tool that Instacart launched, what would it be? Placement targeting. <laughs> I have been, we, we've talked about it a lot and Instacart has been very open about, about wanting to launch it and wanting to provide that lever for us. And so we really want to be able to do things like target the buy it again placement or target the treat yourself placement and things like that and being able to really decide where our default bid goes. For the buy it again placement, I love that thing. I use it all the time across like every grocer that I buy groceries online for because the majority of them have some kind of buy it again. So currently on Instacart, is that purely based on like your sales history and what you've purchased? There's no, well, clearly, as you just said, there's no advertising going into that, but confirming that. Oh, no, there is advertising that goes goes into it, but it's, again, only out of the pool of items that you that you purchased historically. So if I bought all of this butter in the past and I then advertised a default bid against that butter, I would see that butter come to the top of the buy it again list. It, it would only be that butter that I had previously purchased, but it would uh, exist in that buy it again list. And I can support it via media, via the default bid to get it at the top of the list so that I can see it. What about forget that you know anything about media. What about on the consumer side? What's something that like a feature that you wish existed on Instacart? Oh, <laughs> I know I was thinking about that as it came out of my mouth. As you were asking the question, I was thinking about something else I wanted from Instacart. And they know this because everybody asks it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Everybody wants retailer data from Instacart. And so I will just mention that for all the people out there who are listening, who are like the one thing I would want from Instacart is retailer data. And so I wanted to just Note that I also feel that, but that one seems less likely than the placement targeting. And so I guess on the consumer side, the only thing that I would be looking for from Instacart is just like more. Like I think that they have a ton of retailers on there. There is definitely more to be had. They're looking to expand outside of grocery a little bit. They're looking to to become more of an all sort of delivery platform, I would say. Though grocery is still their bread and butter. I like the idea that Instacart has rolled out, for example, recipes. They've rolled out a bunch of stuff that helps the consumer build a basket. They've rolled out things that are like meal inspired. I think that the only thing on the consumer side that I would be looking for from Instacart, and I, I, I am honestly trying to think about it because I use it so much and I love it so much. I can't think about me like missing something. Oh, that's a tough question, Emma. I feel like I don't know. I don't know what I would... I use it all the time. I don't know. I love it. I have, to be honest, haven't shopped Instacart in a couple of months. But what if, like, I usually get the same exact stuff, usually from the same exact retailer. But sometimes, like, one thing is out of stock. And that really bothers me because it'll be something that I, like, need and want to use every single day. What if I could, like, upload a list or, like, of my groceries, except Instacart already knows what they are. But, like, it could give me a layout of my buy it agains and if they're not out, or if they're out of stock and then suggest a different retailer that might have all of those things in stock. Oh, that's a good one. The other one I would say, that's actually a great one. I like that. And I would say the other one that I would think is like a absolutely necessary button. So it's like, if this item doesn't exist, cancel the entire Instacart order because I did a Thanksgiving one once and they were out of turkey and I bought all of this other stuff to fill my basket and then they were not they didn't have the turkey and I was just like well I didn't need 
the stuffing then or the rest of it. Like I just didn't need it. Like all of this is extraneous to the turkey. And so that would be my ask, I think. With that, we can really begin to wrap things up. When we talked to everyone from Amazon, we asked about dogs in the office because we talked to a bunch of flywheel people and dogs in the office is a flywheel thing. When we did Walmart, Klaus and I went down to Bentonville and recorded everything, but we asked about Arkansas because I feel like to East Coasters or maybe even the Londonites, Arkansas is like just a foreign place that you don't quite know until you're there. So we wanted people to tell us about Arkansas. But for Instacart, because a lot of Instacart still has to do with food, I know they're expanding into other categories, like you said, with Sephora. But as someone who uses Instacart, that means you maybe like to cook. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Your favorite thing to cook? Favorite thing to cook is probably like a very long beef stew, something I can prep before work and then it just goes all day so that it stinks up the entire apartment with the smell of beef. I know as a vegetarian, that's not going to sound appealing to you, but that's probably my favorite thing to cook. And you can get all of the things for your beef stew from Instacart? Absolutely. I can get everything plus a snack. Cheez-Its or goldfish? Oh, both. Always both. Fair. I haven't had them in years because I know if I like open a bag of goldfish or a box of Cheez-Its, I will in fact eat the entire thing. When we wrap this up, you can come over and I have Old Bay goldfish at my desk. <laughs> Very Maryland of you. And we had to return to Bernie's digital wish list. Your digital wish list, something that's been in a cart, in a tab, on your brain, that lives online, that you just won't purchase, and why? I have a Vitamix in mind, sometimes like a giant blender, but I don't need more kitchen stuff. So it just sits there waiting and telling me that once I move to a place with a larger kitchen, I should buy it. That makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like kitchen appliances, there's so many of them. It's like, like I, for one, one week, I wanted a juicer. So I bought like a really cheap one off of Amazon because for whatever reason, I was like, I want a juicer. And then I used it like three times. And I was like, this is a chore. I have had that exact feeling. I have also wanted to purchase a juicer. However, I stopped myself because I knew what was going to happen, which was that I wasn't going to use it, except for maybe the one day that I bought it. Yeah, you were, you're smarter than me in that instance. I made like one batch of juice and you do you know how much fruit you need to go into like a, like how many physical things need to go into a juice to get like one glass of juice? It's a lot. It's very many things. And I was like, okay, I think it's actually cheaper to just buy a bottle of juice at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. It's like 10 apples for like a teeny tiny glass. And that fully wraps up another episode of Mastering Retail. You've passed Instacart Advertising 201, which means you're ready for learning about content on our next episode, so stay tuned. Are you also curious about winning on Amazon or Walmart? Well, you should check out our other seasons of Mastering Retail, where you can join me on the learning journey of a lifetime. I have been your host for this series, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Enos Tenji. See you next time 